Hey everyone, Steve Kim here. Just wanted to welcome you again to another wonderful episode of the Be Great, Be Kind Steve Kim Experience Podcast. I have the F45 Guru Trainer, I'm going to say for York Region, even for let's say Ontario, oh, okay. uh, Cameron here, who's taken, carved some amazing, or carved some time to spend with us just to kind of speak his truth, talk to us a little bit about who you are, creating this wonderful culture at F45, uh, and what it's really like being an entrepreneur. So Cam, thank you so much uh, for Thank you for having me. <laughs> so let, let's get right into it, Cam. So tell, tell the audience, who is Cameron? Uh, okay, so I mean, we spoke about this a little bit in the past. I, I am a, a young professional. I was a project manager. I worked in the electrical industry, construction specifically, sure. uh, for some time. I was always passionate about fitness. I saw an opportunity that presented itself to me some time ago that really drove me forward to wanting to actualize some goals that I had my, uh, in my mindset. Yeah. And uh, I decided to dive into it. So let's dig a little bit deeper into that. So y- you had a pretty solid career. Right, Absolutely. and then what was it like? A lot of people even ask me. They're like, Steve, like you left teaching to do this. Like, was it a defining moment in your life? Was it the a timing, the opportunity, the timing of an opportunity? What was it? It was a culmination of a lot of things. I was thirty four, turning thirty five at the time. I had been in my position at the the company that I was at for fifteen years. Oh wow! Okay. Um, I was doing well. I was enjoying myself. I had begun to suffer the effects of burnout. And I've kind of brought it back to saying that I, I am that quintessential cusp millennial yeah. where I totally respect the value of having a career and putting your time in the trenches and working that long amount of time. But I'm also to that side where I felt the urge to move forward in my life. Yeah. Within the confines of where I was previously, I had approached uh, management for opportunities to extend my involvement it wasn't looking like that that was going to be a reality for me. And quite frankly, looking down the barrel of another 35 years in that current position doing the same thing, yeah. I began to feel less passionate about my work. Oh. And as you know about me, it's, it's about passion. Yeah. And if I'm not feeling it, <laughs> yeah. I I need to move on. Yeah. And that was really kind of the, the catalyst that had me moving forward looking for what next opportunities could present to, to me. Did you always know deep down inside you wanted to open up a gym? I knew or that fitness I, studio, sorry? Not necessarily. I knew I wanted to do something for myself. Got, I okay. knew that I always wanted to be my own boss, yeah. truly my own boss. Yeah. Um, and being passionate about fitness, it began to come together and gel at that point. Yeah. Uh, when I was first introduced at 45, really seeing it. Yeah. And then really starting to, gears were turning to really tell me that this is something that I could make a solid run at. How did you get introduced to F45? <laughs> so I always tell people that ask. I'm a longtime member, first time owner. Sure. Okay. Um, I was working out at a separate gym previously. I was doing Olympic lifting. Okay. And was not getting ready for competition. I was not going down that road, just doing it more for recreation and truly enjoying that experience in, in the gym. Yeah. It was new. And at the time, I, I actually injured my shoulder quite badly. Yeah. Um, in through the rehab process, I was introduced to F45 by my, my physiotherapist by saying, this and you know, this is a great opportunity for you to check out to get functional exercise in sure. and rebuild your fitness level. Because being out of training for that considerable amount of time, I began to put back on weight. My cardio level was decreasing. I was becoming depressed in my personal performance. Sure. So I actually was introduced to F45 by that uh, physiotherapist. I, I then discovered the downtown studios uh, first starting King University, yeah. uh, which was uh, one of the first few in Toronto yeah. um, as a member. Yeah. Got on board when they first opened, yeah. absolutely fell in love with it. Uh, did F45 as a member for about a year, year and a half before I started seeing myself transitioning out of that member's role and into more of a leadership role. Wow, okay, okay. Yeah. And at that time, was it 
aggressively expanding like a year and a half ago when you were first kind of introduced? So that was the first wave, right? So F45 based out of Australia, it then grew exponentially into the United States and Canada. Sure. It was that first wave of F45s that were really beginning to come out in the Toronto area. So the GTA was starting to have four, five, six, seven all popping up. Okay. So I call that the first wave. And it was at that time that I became really interested in the business model of it. Yeah. And I had some really great mentors who took me under their wing as owners of that King University studio nice. and really started kind of showing me the back end of things as they saw an opportunity for me as well. Yeah. And my vision was then not to continue in the, the greater Toronto area, or rather in the Toronto area, but expand out into the 905 because that's where I see and what we're seeing now is the second wave. Yeah. So I think I was a little <laughs> bit ahead of the curve, yeah. uh, being the first one in, in Richmond, Richmond Hill. Hill yeah. uh, and now quickly we see that many more are, are <laughs> popping up on our heels. So. Yeah, so let's let's talk a little bit about that. So I know that you grew up in Richmond Hill. Yes. What was it like growing up in Richmond Hill? I'm not that old by a long shot, but I always <laughs> like to chuckle because uh, when I first came to Richmond Hill as a youth, I originally was born, of course, in uh, Toronto, moved up to Richmond Hill very young. Um, I went to the original 16th Avenue Public School. Wow. The original. <laughs> the OG. I remember when 16th Avenue didn't have a bridge going over the GO train tracks. Oh, really? Right. I remember, you know, a lot of things about Richmond Hill as you moved farther north than Elgin Mills. It was country. Yeah. And then when Richmond Green first opened, it was like, wow, we're really going into the sticks yeah. to, to play my baseball and softball. Um, and of course, we now see it. No, Richmond Green's like central now. Central, exactly. <laughs> so how long did you live in Richmond Hill for? I was in Richmond Hill, uh, I would say at least 20, 20 to 25 years. Wow. And then my parents progressively moved a little bit more, more north. Okay. So they just moved into Gormley, which okay. is just north. Yep. And then as they progressed, they then moved up into Newmarket. And yeah. at that time, I moved up and I moved back into the city. <laughs> Newmarket's too far, right? Newmarket was a bit of a stretch, yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's So you were obviously involved with sports at a, at a young age. Talk to us a little bit about that, like some of those extracurriculars. I think really, um, as a very typical Richmond Hill youth, mm -hmm. you played baseball in Phoenix League. Phoenix. <laughs> uh, or you were part of the Richmond Hill hockey program. Okay. I did both. You did, I? Okay. Um, so I, you know, softball in the summer, then in the Phoenix overhand league, uh, baseball, and then of course all winter long was hockey. Yeah. Um, I was not as naturally athletic then okay. as I was or am as I am now. Okay. It was something I truly had to work at, which I liked because I found it as a challenge and, and yes. I was always steadfast to try to master things. Yeah. Uh, so that was something that I really poured my heart into at the time and I, I really enjoyed that as a youth going up into the system before I got involved with cadets. So who who introduced you to sports? My dad. Yeah? Yeah, for was sure. Was he like a huge sports person like growing up? He, yes, he was. He played a lot of hockey as a youth. Um, he made, you know, minor junior leagues, nothing substantial, but knew that that was something that was very important growing up for, for youth. Yeah. Uh, also to moving into Richmond Hill and starting in, you know, mid-grade four or five, friendships have begun to form amongst those kids. Yeah. And he was really a strong advocate of saying, you know, we ought to have him meeting people outside of school. Let's nice. get him in sports. Awesome. That's how it meets people that's you know? crazy so you did touch upon cadets so you were in cadets how long were you in cadets because i had friends growing up who were in cadets and they like loved it they lived by it like they were just like they were hardcore but the group of of uh of my friends they were super tight yeah like the cadets like i could speak the cadets probably for more than more than time that we have in this podcast yeah it was a massive part of my youth it was a massive part of who i am i speak very passionately about it i love the cadet program yeah i was involved with cadets from age 12 through to 18 wow. which is the time that you spend in i then staffed two years after that okay as a as a staff uh, officer, so not part of the Canadian Forces, but just as a volunteer with the local 778 Banshee Squadron at the time. Wow. So I went right through the entire program, and at the time, again, as things many 
many things change over time. We were very fortunate. I traveled across Canada with the program in wow. various summer camps. Okay. I was able to instruct, lead, teach, and learn. So I really followed a, a survivalist path. Yeah. So I started with air crew survival in the summer. I got to go to Cold Lake, Alberta. I did sort of a survival instructor's course. I was in Bagdadville, Quebec. Wow. Um, I did a staffing experience in CFB Borden, which is just outside Alliston. So I was a canoe instructor for a couple summers. That yeah. was a blast. <laughs> and uh, then I came back as, a, as like a staff officer, as again, non-Canadian forces sure. volunteer, where I worked in the back end of things, helped writing the curriculums and, and delivering the, the syllabus to the cadet program. So the passion to teach and coach has always been in you. Like to volunteer your time to spend with people, to essentially share your passion with them. A lot of people don't have that that quality nor patience. I think the cadets instilled that in me. The motto of the air cadet movement is to learn, to serve, and to advance. Yeah. And that was something that I truly took to heart and resonated through as a 12-year-old youth all the way through. It's important to always learn. It's important to serve, serve your country, your community in any capacity. Yeah. And then always look to advance, advance yourself and, and move forward by by whatever it means, learning and, and giving back and all of those things. That's awesome. That's awesome. Can, let me ask you, where did your love for fitness start? Like for some people, you know, New Year's upon us, they're like, eh, not looking the best that I could. There's the motivation. But for you, like where was the, like, how did it start? I was not uh, an athletic <laughs> or um, in shape kid. I was a, a larger chubby kid. Okay. Uh, I was made fun of in junior grades in school for sure yeah um i was you know a victim of those types of behaviors a lot yeah and that didn't necessarily spur me into it so much so as it got me interested in getting involved in athletics then naturally the weight started coming off and moving forward from there it was really i think in my later teens and early 20s uh cardiac disease does run in my family being a young adult you of course start making money and you start enjoying yourself and turn 19 (laughs) 19. And uh, you start, you know, experiencing some of those new things. Um, And it was really around that time that my family doctor was kind of like, listen, you know, you do have heart disease running in your family. You need to start taking your health a lot more seriously or else you will be in risk, period. And that was a big wake up call for me. Uh, Because I was all about the Leaf Games, Pints, and Wings. Yeah, yeah. I could tell you, I had my stool at the pub, and I enjoyed my my wings. Yeah, yeah. It was really that doctor kind of encouraging me to get involved more in the gym life and really take that on as as a young adult that really had me getting into the gym then and starting learning about fitness. Wow, that's starting with just in the gym, uh, you know, CrossFit, and then right all the way through. Like that's a huge eye opener, right? It was. That's a huge motivator for you. Let me ask you, so like how would you motivate someone who maybe who doesn't have, you know, that risk of, you know, heart disease that runs through the family, like anything like that? Like what would might what might be the motivation? Like you you would know this quite extensively being a gym owner because that's part of who you are. That's yeah. why I'm, I'm a part of your gym is like the motivation component of it. We always try to drill in the why and you hear me yeah, oftentimes in the yeah. gym say, remember the why. Yes. So why did you come in through those front doors in the first place? Yeah. There is always a reason, yeah. whether it's to lose weight, whether it's to get in shape, whether to get your revenge body, it's a why. There's a reason. <laughs> revenge body. And, and I think that really was something that you have to drill into. You need to spend the time building the rapport with the people to develop what that why is and to motivate those people. I always try to speak to young adults adults now saying, you know, think of your grandparents and your parents, how have they lived their lives? How are they living their lives now? Yeah. And if you see grandparents that are in pain and suffering and you have them through arthritic conditions, they're bedridden, whatever it may be, I'm a huge proponent of generativity. I believe that being generative, physically active, mind is engaged long through your life will aid you in your later in life. Yes. Um, and there's medical studies that back that yeah, up. You're there's right. a lot of readings that you can do about that that support that thought. And that really resonated with me is that 
it is important to realize that you need to take your health into in consideration in your early life where you have an opportunity to make these positive changes yeah. before your body starts breaking down later in life and you're left. Because at 80 years old, you're not gonna get into the gym to start doing F45. Yeah. However, if you do this now as you move through your life, I guarantee later in life, whether it be F45 or wherever else, yeah. you, you will have health to fall back on and you will live that generation. And you nailed it perfectly. The why is so tremendous and it's something that I get asked a lot, Steve, like why do you do what you do? Like I look at me joining F45, I love it. Like I love the culture, right? <laughs> I've shared this with That's you. That's a big part of it, she, sure. it's, The culture is tremendous. But I look at my why, why do I get up so early in the morning? I want to be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. There you go. Right? That's, and that's, that's the why. That's the why. So the thing is, there is no other choice for me. Yeah. Like, I'm either going to do it and make sure that that happens or let life kind of dictate terms for me, which is, that's not just the way that I'm wired. Uh, I was lucky. I had a very close relationship. I have, I have and had a very close relationship with my grandparents on both sides of my family growing up. Yeah. I had the privilege of actually working side by side with my grandfather um, in my late teens and through my mid-20s, yeah. uh, something not a lot of people get to do. With that, though, came me watching him degenerate through his life. And he lived a wonderful life. He lived a fun life. I've never heard him use the word Jim unless he was calling his friend Jim on the phone. (laughs) So he did not take care of himself. And his last 10 years on this planet were spent in agony. And seeing that, uh, as painfully as it was to even reflect upon, it really is my motivating factor in my mind and what I try to tell people is that, you know, you don't want to live the last 15 years, 20 years of your life in agony, in a bed, not being able to take care of yourself or not being able to engage with your children and grandchildren. Yeah. So you you make the preventative steps now to be able to ensure that later in life you will have that happen. <laughs> that just gave me chills. The reason being is I don't want the last 10, 15 years of my life on a bed or whatever, having my kids remember me that way. Exactly. Right? They're like slowly just kind of wilting away. Won't I'm, I won't allow that. No. I absolutely won't allow that. And you're making the steps, and these are the steps that we all should be taking now, right? <laughs> and, that, and that's what's important. And the steps are amazing, by the way. Like, I, I love it. Like, I legitimately love, love, love your gym. I'm glad. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. So, Cam, we did talk a little bit about this, but, you know, you had this desire to want something more in your life. Becoming an entrepreneur right now, the owner of an F45. I'm gonna ask you this question. What do you wish you had known when you started out? How much time do we have? (laughs) Um, I ask this to a lot of entrepreneurs and there's a ton, like they can get into this. I guess the best, easiest, highest level answer I can get is however much work you think you need to put into something, you need to put in 10,000 times more. Wow, yes. And that will dawn on you very, very quickly. And I think that that's the best, quickest takeaway. Yeah. I mean, we can delve into so many different things, but really and truthfully, you think to yourself, you've got an opportunity, whether it's an F45, whether it's your own business in whatever capacity, and you feel, well, I can put that work in, I've got that in me, and you do, Yeah. but whatever you think that you need to put in, multiply that by like 100, because it's so, so, so much more that you don't think that you have to be realizing. What, were, what was the one or two biggest challenges becoming an entrepreneur, like becoming an owner of a business? Overcoming the fear of failure because the risk that you need to take getting involved in your own business, whether it be financial or your own, if you don't have support or if you're not in that position but you still want to take that leap, it is a gamble. And you need to be very sure of the decision that you make and not run into that haphazardly. Yeah. Um, you need to realize the risks that are associated with it and prepare yourself for those. We talk about preparation a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you need to be prepared for some tough times. Yeah. And, and you have to be ready for it and steadfast through it. 
And always remember, I think that, you know, we can talk cliches all day long, but you know that this too shall pass. So in the good times, know that you must prepare for what may come, but in the bad times, know that it will pass through as well. Yeah, that's great advice. You know what? I think that extends to like every facet of your life, not just business, your personal life, everything. So that that's that's quite tremendous. No, no, no. I, I love the I love what that you had mentioned that you no know, think about how much time that you you think is required to accomplish a business, whatever that may be, and then multiply that by like 10,000. Oh, and I think that's a lot. We talked a little bit about this before the podcast. Is like, we see you right now, the own, like the members of the gym be like, awesome, Kim, gym amazing, trainer's fantastic, love the community. No one sees behind the scenes. No. Right? And that's the, the point. We don't want you to. Yeah, the long hours, like, you know, the struggles, whatever the failures may be to produce this nice shiny product, right? Yeah. And I think that's the big thing, right? Like, Absolutely, I mean, it even goes from, you know, right now we're in the challenge, right? So the time spent in curating emails that are going out that are keeping people disciplined, remembering why people are engaged in the challenge so when you see them in the studio, you're constantly keeping them on track for their goals. Uh, you know, working on curating and, and perfecting, which I by no, bar, by no means am yet, yeah, but I, perfecting your social media presence. Yeah. You know, working on promoting yourself within yeah. the local community, outreach member sales, all of these things like that that are always happening in the behind the scenes. It's funny because people think, oh, you know, you come in, you teach a class, you maybe do a little laundry, spray on the equipment, and, yeah. the door. <laughs> and if it were only so easy, yeah. it's that back end work though that's honestly almost more rewarding yeah. than the on floor experience because you see that hard work that nobody gets to see. And when you see the members are are coming together and enjoying and, and they're interacting and these things are happening, you're like, yes, that back end work is being paid off for now. How did you create such a phenomenal culture in, in such a short period of time? Like we walk in like the 545 crew. The breakfast club. Yeah. <laughs> and I, can't, I think it was you who said it, who mentioned it, but it's just stuck. It's just, we're, we're, it's so tight, 545 in the morning, yep. right? Like the energy's there. Like you roll in at 530 in the morning, like it's go time. Like go people time. know that at 545, no matter how groggy they are. But that's not me rolling in being like, hey, I'm here, let's go. Like, that's a culture that was created. Where did that come from? That comes from the trainers. That comes from the us. That yeah. comes from our end of things. And as I said to our trainers before, like at 545, you hop out on that floor and it's going to seem like you're extra when you start yelling back at the people and clapping your hands and getting involved. But that is what brings the people around. Yes. And you're creating that culture. You're creating that relationships. And beyond just you know training you through in your physical uh, uh, training aspects of things, we're trying to also develop the rapport and getting to know you. We take yeah. an interest, genuine interest in your lives. And yeah. that enables uh, the gelling of people to come together, yeah. learning what you do for a living, what injuries or regressions you might need. Yeah. All of these things come together and then working with the trainers to constantly remind, okay, look at the attendance, here's who's coming in, remember of their injuries. We're constantly checking and back checking. I think what drove me forward on that is because I did have quite a bit of experience in prior F45 capacity, both as a member and then as involvement in the back end of things, learning about the, the, um, you know, the operations of the business. I began to start seeing what would work well yeah. and what is not working. Yeah. And so in my mind, I was able to take that knowledge base that I gathered in my time in the city. Yeah. And when I moved up into Richmond Hill, I had a clear vision of what needed to be accomplished and how I wanted to have it executed. And having that clear vision and executing that clear vision is very, very important as the leader. Like you must know. But also building capacity in your trainers. Because the one thing that you talked about is like, take a look at who's signed up for the sessions for throughout the day. And you've got to know the members. And the one thing, a huge shout out to Farzi and Shaquille is like, they know my knee yep. and my lower back, just like you. If there's something, there's an exercise geared that day, 
you three are always like, Steve, how's the back? Do a regression here. That's that's amazing. Like that connectivity, that rapport. You're not just, I'm not just a cog in the wheel or I'm just a number, member, yeah. number that rolls into the gym and then bounces after 45 minutes. That's the community and the cultures. The fact that you know exactly like where I need to be regressing, maybe where I need to be pushing. And it's not just with me, but I hear you and the trainers do it with like all the members. Absolutely. Right? It's so important. how do you hire for that? Um, <laughs> That's a tough question. I think I think that how you hire for that is really a kind of a twofold approach. You have to vet the person to make sure that their knowledge base first is there. Sure. So okay. we need to bring people on who have extensive knowledge in fitness. Okay. So I'm all for, you know, we have a couple of junior trainers along the way. They are educated themselves, okay. but it's all about elevating them to promote that knowledge base as well. But I brought in a core group of people who are very well knowledgeable, very well educated when it came to that type of fitness. The second thing is instilling in them that need to develop the rapport yeah. with the client. And, and getting on with the members a lot more than just saying hello and good morning. It's about really coming together and getting to know them. And so part of that conversation we have in that initial uh, you know, introductions with our new members is we talk about those injuries or we ask for that disclosure. Yeah. And then we help remember that. And then we are constantly in the back end on our group chat or with our staff meetings, constantly talking about you guys, yeah. uh, not, not behind your backs. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're constantly sharing information yeah. about, okay, you know, Steve was in in the morning or even not even, we won't even go individual. The group in the morning on mass complained about this station. So now we know that for the rest of the day, we're flagging station six. So that might be a pinch point. At oh, the wow, end of the week, wow. we talk about what worked, what didn't, how the floor was set up, how the floor moved and flowed. If a member experienced an injury, the report is made, we go back and revisit it. How did it happen? Why did it happen? How do we prevent it in the future? Sure. And then we remember that moving forward so that if we're not on the floor, if I'm not there, we have a constant open dialogue with our trainers to always communicate, hey, this is what's happening, this is what's happening, and that we were always in the loop. So it feels that even if we're not there, I'm there. And it's the same thing that from our other trainers' perspectives, like Shaquille's our morning guy who yeah. who has his own full-time job. So so more power to him. Really? Coming in and busting out the 5 a.m. and the 6.45 a.m. and then getting changed and going to his 9 to 5. No way. Yes. And then that way he comes back in. So he doesn't know the afternoon crew so much, but having that open dialogue of communication means that when he does come in on the weekend, he goes, oh, that's so-and-so, and I know that they have a lower back issue. Wow. And it's just that open line of communication that I've tried to develop with our trainers that we're constantly in communication about what's going on in the studio. So like even Shaquille says, I feel like I'm there even when I'm not. And he loves it. And, yeah. that's, and that's what we try to do. And you can see it and you can sense it. Like when he's there, like he knows the members and he knows he what he's talking about. Absolutely. So having the capacity of for fitness is one thing, but having the people skills to build rapport is tremendously difficult, right? So you do these staff meetings, these check-ins. Is this kind of customary with like all the F45s? Like is it inscribed in kind of the owner's manual? You must be doing this or is it something that you're like, it's my culture, this what's, works? What's an owner's manual? <laughs> <laughs> they didn't hand me a book to say, how's it, here's how to do it. I, oh, I can't tell you that. They, okay. they just said go out and do. Okay. Um, no, I, I think that that's something that I observed and took from other studios in the greater Toronto area sure. as something that maybe was not as effectively managed. Okay. It was a very transient population as we spoke yep. about yep. in the downtown area. It's very hard to get to know those people who are dropping in and out on class packs so they show up once every two weeks. Yeah. It's tough. Whereas in the suburban market, we have more regular members. Yeah. So it's getting a lot, it gets a lot easier, yeah. even as the membership grows. Yeah. Um, but it's really about you know, it, it, it enabling your trainers to have that open dialogue and, and, you know, really reaching forward to communicate, learn, and share that knowledge with each other. Okay.
So let me ask you, so is there a potential for you to maybe expand in terms of you maybe opening up yeah, absolutely. Another location I, I, here there. I have a vision. Sure. Uh, as part of my vision, owning one is not part of that vision. I okay. have a vision that I would like to grow my F45 Empire. I don't yeah. know what you yeah, want yeah, to yeah. but I would like to grow my, my stable of F45s outward. Yes, absolutely. My vision is to, to own multiple locations. And I don't think that's necessarily as fitness so much as it is entrepreneurial that I oh, yeah. would like to grow. Yeah. How would you, we talked a little bit about this before, is how would you duplicate CAM? at another gym because it's something that I'm, I, I can share personally is like I struggle with in my business is when clients want to s my time they want my time they don't want me sending them to like one of my buyer, buyer agents or anything like that it's a trade secret right so you're asking you're asking for the you're asking for the, the big secret I think it's almost twofold yeah. um, I think first and foremost you do need to make that time period yeah so if you're that person then you need to make that time. Sure. Um, I think that if you move into a situation where multiple locations may be held, or if you're spread a little bit too thin, you need to empower another to become the mm. you. And that means you need to take a step back from that certain area to allow that person to become wow. that entrenched person. As a leader, it's not always about being at the front. You have to be able to lead from all angles, from the front, from the behind, and from everywhere else. Yeah. But that also means sometimes you take a step back and let somebody else take a spot. That's huge though, right? Because the most effective leaders are the ones that lead from behind. I think in, so. To support, right? Absolutely. Allowing someone to kind of grow into the role. If they fail, they fail. Let's pick them back up, empower them, and get back on that horse, right? Certainly. I mean, I'll share with you an example. For instance, um, I was eager to open an F-45 in Ottawa. The territory that I had been interested in is now gone. They're actually they're, they're on their way to being open. Excellent. Yeah. How would I manage an F-45 four and a half hours away from me? Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. In the early days, I would certainly have to make myself more available out there. But it was always in my mindset that that studio would be managed by a full-time person who's there all of the time. I would take a back seat. They would be the star of the show. Sure. They create the culture in my vision, but yeah. they create that culture. And that's how you make that separation. So that when you do go to that studio, you realize that everyone will see you as the investor. They might not see you as the owner, and that's okay. Yeah. As long as you're doing that work in the back, yeah. and you're making sure that the studio is still running effectively in your vision, then you've accomplished that success. Yeah. You've got there. It shows that you you care about it as well. Like You're car carving time out of your busy schedule to like make time to be there. Right? But I think the genuinity and, and empathy is something that's a quality that's inert in most people that successful people must have that. It's yeah. not enough to just want material things or, or financial yes. you know, uh, success. It's about, it's about connecting with your client base on a personal level and it's about connecting with your, with your employees on a personal level and moving them forward together. What motivates CAM? <laughs> You guys, yeah. Honestly, why else okay. would I get up at four thirty every morning? Yeah, every day, yeah. and and put in sixteen hour days and, yeah. and sweat it out. If it wasn't to see your successes, and yeah. I mean, I know that we're in the challenge right now, um, but even seeing our members who are not participating in the challenge, we've only been open a few months. Yeah, I know. And the successes that we see and that I hear back, these these pieces of feedback that I receive constantly. Amongst the pieces of feedback that we need to things on work on, but that success story, I'm down so many pounds, I've dropped my dress size, have a look at this picture. These types of things, you know, I'm feeling more confident at work. My boss has acknowledged my, yeah. my, my, my um, involvement in the community. It's like they're becoming more visible. These are the things that intrinsically motivate me to work harder and drive harder to help you guys achieve your goals. It, it's amazing because one of the things is, you know, I'll, I would go to the gym here and there. Not, not too, too committed, but... The commitment that I have now to your gym and the program and everything is like just on a completely different level, right? And the big thing is, is like, I'm not really into it to like lose weight, but it, the way that I feel the, when I leave 
just sets me up for the rest of the day. I just feel so good for the rest of the day that like, you know, the Sundays are the only day that I, I can't make it, mm-hmm. the odd Wednesday here, but I'm just kind of like, ugh, like. You're feeling it. I'm feeling That's it because it's like, it's like, the, it, it's almost, it's, 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 it's an addiction. It is, 100%. Right? I mean, physiologically it is. Yeah. So you get the IE pop effect, you get that afterglow. Yeah. That, that, that is scientific. Yeah. All right. Um, but it's also that mental that we've created the culture where if you're not present, you're missed. Yeah. People miss you yeah. and you have your community, not even from an owner side of things or from a, an F45 <laughs> staff side of things. The community is actively involved. Hey, we miss you today. Where were you? Yeah. Right. And and we're very active on our training side of things. Is and we have a, a pretty effective back end system that if we notice say consecutive absences yeah. or a member who's a regular member who's not attending, we're able to notify and we'll just send out a little text. Hey, we miss you. Where you been? Yeah. Oh, I've been busy with work. Oh, I'm feeling an injury. Okay, let's talk about that. Where are you injured? What can we do to help you? Yeah. Do you know? Um, you know, we've got links to physio- physiotherapists, re- rehabilitationists, whatever it is yeah. that we can try to help. And as we've spoken about before, and especially during the challenge, I like to think all of our people, all of our members, we're all athletes. Yeah. And you know, may not be performing on a sports team, but if you think about it, you're a father, you're a, you're a busy business person, you're doing many many things. You're an athlete. You're performing. Yeah. So to keep you up to date. No athlete goes alone, right? Sidney Crosby doesn't just yeah. play hockey by himself. Yeah. He's got nutritionists and doctors and physios and coaches and all of these people, and we're part of that team with you. Yes. So we've got you on that physical side of things. We've got you on that training side of things, and we're just part of that team that's going to help you as an athlete move forward and advance in your life. And you don't let people fall through the cracks. That's the big thing, too. Like, I'm a real, as a real estate coach, it's like, it's the accountability component. Yes. Like. You haven't showed up in three days. You generally show up on these days. What's going on? Let's talk about this. And you you just touched upon it. How can I support you? Right? Exactly. Whether it's an injury, setting you up with the right you know professional to work through that injury, whatever that may be, I think is absolutely incredible, which is why you are who you are and why the business is doing so well. That's that back-end work that I don't think a lot of people no. see. That's tough. Is yeah. that you have to, A, be genuine, yeah. right? I mean, without a doubt. If you don't have the genuinity, everyone's going to smell it a mile away. Yeah, yeah. But it's huge. It's, to be on top of everything. And I make the joke, like I say to like the members and I say to my coaches, like I see everything. And I mean, I may not see everything, but I really like to think that not a lot slips by. Yeah. And that, you know, we really are working together. And I don't do that alone. I'm not in the studio all of the time. So I hear from our morning crew, you know, I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. Oh, yeah. it's okay, they're on pause. They've yeah. gone on vacation. Okay, great. Or I haven't, you know, so-and-so was complaining that their back was out. I haven't seen them for two days. Right away, we're going to get involved in a text. Hey, I heard your back's not too good. I haven't seen you. Everything okay. Yeah, yeah. And it's that check and balance system, again, because I've got such a great training base, a trainer base, yeah. that we're constantly in communication, that that makes my life so much easier, that I don't have to physically sit in every class yeah. to see, did Steve show up? <laughs> Someone will say, hey, we missed them today. Well, it's Wednesday, you know, he's doing his thing. Or I've spoken to him and he mentioned something. Or, yeah, Steve's gone. Where's he at? And then we make sure that we come in and we reach out because it's about that accountability. Huge. And and continuing to go through it. Huge. Where do you see the fitness industry going in the next five, even ten years? I absolutely see the fitness industry going towards where we are with F45. We're doing boutique, uh, uh, class-based, functional training. In many capacities. Do you think that, do you still think that there's still going to be a place for that, the traditional gym model? Tons of ellipticals, tons of treadmills, weight stations, things like that. No, because I mean, you see a lot of times and you're in real estate, every condo's got a pretty serious gym. Yeah. And a lot of people buy condos based on what they have the gym equipment there. I know that I did when I first looked at my condo, the first thing I said was take me to the gym. Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people can clang out weights for free or for their condo fee at any capacity that a good life would offer, less a few features here and there. And if they've got a medium level of of fitness knowledge, they'll get them through it. What I see is that accountability factor, that class-based fitness, and the culture that builds around that 
is really where fitness is going to go. I mean, you see it with that 45, you see it with Orange Theory, you see it with nine rounds. These boutiques are popping up everywhere. Popping up everywhere. And that's where I see fitness going. I think that even if you look at the big box gyms, yeah. they're now investing very heavily in class-based fitness. Yeah, yeah. How do you see F45 adapting? Do you see like, because I really want to talk about adapting, not expanding, because yeah, the need is there huge because the nine rounds, the orange series, the F45s, they're popping up. But it's it, the model itself is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. But in five, 10 years, like, what do you see maybe adapting or being adjusted with the F45 model? Moving beyond just what fitness is, right? Okay. So, I mean, we spoke just a few minutes ago about being like an all encompassing team to support the athlete. Yeah. I truly see F45 moving continuously along the way with class-based fitness. Yeah. Uh, I definitely see the programs always expanding. You know that we never repeat the same thing. No, so there's always methods of expanding. Yeah. They've just launched their active recovery sessions now. So we're running those yeah. on every other Sundays as we do. So it's a stretch-based routine. That's brand new. Yeah. And all of that comes together. And I see that expanding where we're starting to bring on maybe a co-partnership with local physiotherapists, local massage, uh, um, you know, massage therapy clinics, acupressure, acupuncture, whatever it may be, yeah. to make that big cohesive collective team where if you come to F45 Jefferson, that reciprocal membership that you pay X amount for will then get you the ability to go and visit this physio yeah. or go and visit this uh, you know, chiropractor or whatever it may be, or even still jumping away from physical treatment, nutrition. Yeah. And that's kind of taking from my idea where we're going to be going with our continuing education series, but you know, really talking about how to support yourself in in the kitchen as well. Yeah. Because we all know that you can do whatever you want in the gym. If you're at the bar eating wings and drinking <laughs> beer, you're, you're spinning in a circle. Would you agree to this? Like a lot of people talk about this is the, the great debate that like eating properly far exceeds working out properly in yeah. terms of like a fitness school. I'll shoot myself in the foot. Um, you know, it's it's 80% what you put in your body and it's 20% what you do to it. That right there, Cam, that right there is why you'll win because that's honest truth. It's, it's the truth. Right? You even just said you're like, it's the, it's the honest truth. Yeah. But that 20% though, if you, if you do it effectively. Oh, man. It's transformative. It's transformative. But I mean, it's amazing what happens when, even now, as, again, I go back to our eight week challenge, the comments we get back from our members, I feel so amazing not having sugar in my life. Yeah. I didn't know what this was like having low information after taking dairy out. Yeah. And these types of comments, it's what's really people are learning. Wow. Like if I really look and treat my body like a temple and, and fuel it properly, yeah. I'm all of a sudden really able to move forward in great strides. The pain's reduced, inflammation's reduced, my physical capacity in the gym's gone way up. Yeah. And then that 20%, as you said, really ratchets up. Yeah. Let me ask you, if you weren't an F45 business owner, what might what might your passion passions lead you to to do? So, I mean, going back to before I got involved with F45, where I was in my previous profession, I was looking to go out on my own. Yeah. The industry that I was involved in was is a very highly competitive industry. It would be a very hard road to hoe. Not that this is not a highly competitive industry. Um, I really fell in love with the idea of making my passion fitness, which was I was doing outside of work, yeah. part of my work. I didn't want work to be a four-letter word anymore. I wanted it to be my life. Yeah. And I think that whether or not it would have been F45, I feel my somehow would have been involved in capacity of fitness, most likely as an instructor or a teacher or a trainer of myself. Oh, yeah. I have a lot of passion for in teaching and instructing, as you can see. Yeah, it's hard huge. to pull me off the floor sometimes, and i got to make that separation. <laughs> I know that something I'm learning as an owner is to, is to 
as I've empowered my trainers to take that step back. Yeah. Um, um, but but definitely in that capacity of instructor or teacher, I see myself still continuing to do that. I would still like to bolster my education continuously to be able to bring more to the floor for you guys. So what would that look like though? Because when we when we roll in on like, you know, Cam knows, he knows, he knows. What would that look like from your standpoint, like as being like the head trainer? Like what type of like personal or professional development with that it's always entail. looking at constant improvements for yourself and sure. knowledge based improvements on yourself so I'm going for classes in like in the new year uh, I've got myself slated up to do to a couple more movement level classes so okay. I'll be learning more on like second level and third level of body mechanics and movements because I'm a firm believer how everything is connected you know learning about how properly to treat a body after a workout or after injury yeah. uh, nutrition is something that I could use a lot more knowledge from and I lean very heavily on nutritionists that I work with now yeah. to teach me more about that so these wow. are the types of things that we do I've actually worked now uh, for our coaches we're very close to setting up a queuing and coaching seminar uh, where we're going to be in the new year bringing in a professional to work with our coaches specifically on new and innovative ways of queuing teaching and, and supporting wow. the members so that we're not always saying the same things but yeah. we're really trying to find better and new ways of communicating with the members because wow. we find sometimes and this is the the uphill battle that we face whether English is a second language yeah. or fitness is very new it's very hard you know and this is what I always tell my trainers we, we know the knowledge so when we say you know retract your scapula we know what that means but somebody who's day two at F45 or at any gym is like what is that spatula so it's like we need to be able to say now think about this pull your shoulders back squeeze a pencil between your shoulder blades these types of cues basic yeah. cues get people thinking oh that's what it is and then we can work our way into the more technical knowledge later on. And so that's the type of thing that I'm always trying to bring more education and knowledge. Yeah. And I've said to my trainers before too, like if you find an interesting course that could be beneficial for us all, share that with us. And then maybe that's something we could all get involved with. Yeah. The culture of the gym is phenomenal. We, we, we talked about this. It's a very kind, motivating, inspiring culture in the gym. How did you go about creating that? Like, were you always <laughs> like that? Uh, no. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, I, I'll shamefully say that growing up, um, I probably wasn't as kind as I could be. Sure. I didn't want I don't want to say that I actively, you know, was a bully, uh, but I certainly turned a blind eye to a lot of things that sure. I look back on and think to myself, I could have been so different or could have done more. I think, um, honestly, it's, it was in my vision when I opened this space to make it a 100% inclusive space, no Love matter it. what. Yes. And I said to my trainers from day one, that that is what we are doing, whether yeah. the person comes in with whatever affliction they might have, whatever issues, limitations, whatever it is, whatever it is, they are 100% part of the community and they are 100% to be made feel included. And it's an inclusive space, no ifs, ands, or buts. And that was something I still, still to this day have zero tolerance about. And thankfully we've never encountered any issues. Yeah. Uh, certainly never with my training staff and within our culture and within the community of the F45 Jefferson, we're all amazing people. And I'm very lucky and blessed that wonderful people have come through the doors. Yeah. Not everybody is like that. And yeah. I'm sure we may be faced with those challenges down the road but it's something that I have zero, zero tolerance on moving on. Now that I'm in a position to make an impact, now that I'm in a position to affect change in a space that's mine, Yeah, yeah. I, you know, not to be like the boss, but I get to set the rules. And the rules are we're inclusive, so. Would that be, would that be more important from a hiring standpoint versus having the capacity and knowledge of fitness? Is that kind of that, that relationship, rapport, building skills, 
that your trainers would have? As a manager, as a leader, as an owner, you yeah. need to be a very, very good judge of character. Got it. I feel that that's something that I developed over time in sales prior to ever coming in here. Yeah. You learn how to read people. You've had lots of time working and interacting with many different people. You get exposed to many different cultures, many different beliefs, many different everythings. Yeah. That really empowered me as, as a strength, I feel, in being an incredibly good read of character. Yeah. So I use those strengths that I had through my hiring process to vet those people to A, know that I was going to be able to gel with them well yeah. and B, know that they were going to be able to see through my vision. Yeah. And I think that as a leader, if you're getting involved with anything, you must really listen to your instincts because they will guide you tremendously, but you need to be a good judge of character, especially when you're looking to hire. I'm going to ask you, there are three questions we end off every single podcast sure. with. So I'm going to hit you with this. The name of the podcast is Be Great, Be Kind. So being like right now, right now, what does that mean to you? in your life to be great and be kind i think thinking about what we'll do be kind and be great is sure okay love it so so not to steal your model <laughs> but, but to be kind is exactly what it states everybody is walking in their own shoes you yeah. are not walking in theirs you do not know what people are going through whether it be life trials turmoils personal afflictions whatever it is everyone deserves to be treated with kindness love it. because they need to know that people care yeah genuinely care and yes. i told you this before we can talk about this right all day long if you're not genuine in your care people will sniff it out a mile away Bingo. you need to genuinely empathize with people and realize that everybody is coming from a different position and we have to be kind to that position and understanding yeah. the greatest thing is being great and being great is great in many different ways it's 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 if you feel internally you feel great you yeah. feel healthy you feel good you feel empowered Love it's it. also being great in in being you know the absolute best that you possibly could be yeah. and i mean you're be great and be kind and we talked about me i run on the three p's right yeah. performance preparation and passion and passion is the biggest thing like you have to be great greatness and passion are two different things or sorry two of the same things i feel having that passion yes. drives you forward and that's yes. what brings you towards greatness and greatness is subjective what's great yeah it, it's it's whatever you make it yeah um but that's what really will drive you forward is, is keeping that empathy and then keeping that drive from you i love that you keep talking about empathy because as a former school teacher 16 years it was the one thing that i looked for it was the one defining characteristic in every single student that i ever taught and we're talking thousands yeah you've seen a bunch which differentiated the ones that i knew were going to really go on and crush it to the ones who were still going to do very very well we break it down i always looked at the empathy component if there was a student a child with great empathy skills mm, sky's the limit mm. right because you talked about it like putting yourself in someone else's shoes. You don't know what, what that person's going through, but just trying to be able to empathize with them is a tremendous skill. And it's a very, very difficult character trait to teach. I think people are just born with it innate in them, um, whether it's like from parenting or having great friends or community around to build that character skill of empathy. I think that empathy is, is, yeah, it's a characteristic that's inborn for sure, but it's that nature-nurture debate. I think that empathy is nurtured, especially from the home. So if you're taught from a young age to, yeah. to use that trait, yeah. and whether that be even down to how you treat your family pet as a youth, yeah. all the way up to how you interact with your fellow you know, human beings in the road, yeah. to, to how you work with people in life or in the gym, you know, you have to always have that ability to empathize with those people as best as possible. So two lighthearted questions. Number sure. one, I'm really curious about this one. Uh -oh. What's your all-time favorite food dish? Oh, F45 members don't listen. Not challenging food. I love fried chicken. That's it. Fried chicken. And I make a mean fried chicken. Okay, hold on. Like homemade fried chicken or where would you go to buy, like to get fried chicken if you're not making it? Okay, so homemade fried chicken for sure. Uh, if I'm going out to have it elsewhere, it would probably definitely be... 
probably from Shake Shack in the States. They make a really mean French oh, yeah? chicken sandwich. Yeah. It's, okay. you, they, they got great burgers. Yeah. But yeah, they do, do, they do a mean French chicken. I'm going to hold this over you. Every time I see you, <laughs> I'm going to be like... I know your dirty you know, little like, secret. Well, I have one more too, and that's that's M and M's, okay. M and M peanuts. So yeah, that's the other one. But. Awesome, thank you. And then the last question is, what's your fondest childhood memory? Oh up? my, yeah. Um, this is a stumper. This is a stumper. <laughs> you know, I think I think probably you're gonna get me emotional. I think probably one of my most fondest childhood memories was the amount of time that I was able to spend. Uh, with my one side of grandparents growing up. So oh, yeah. my mother, yeah. um, for a period of time, was a single parent. So she was very active and working. That's what it was. Yeah. I grew up in my youth, up to, I'd say, about 10, uh, really in the care of my grandmother and grandfather. I mean, my mother was always around. I saw her every day. I went home with her and stuff like that, and, yeah. and, and my stepdad and stuff. But really, uh, I spent a lot of time with those two people, and they really taught me a lot. My grandfather was in the Air Force. Wow. And our time spent together was something that I still cherish very much to this day. So he taught me a lot about aviation. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where my love for planes came yeah. from. Um, so I can't say that there was one specific childhood memory that was like, this is the out-defining characteristic. Maybe, maybe if you're making me really dig into it, I remember that pr- prior to the Canadian Air Shows being down at CNE grounds, they would do practice runs. Okay. So sometimes what they would do is they would stage out at the island airport. Uh, Billy Bishop now, yeah, yeah. or they would stage out of Buttonville some of the aircraft. Oh, really? So my grandfather okay. would take me to Buttonville, and uh, we would watch the like the military helicopters come in and some of the aircraft land there. And I always have good fond memories of going there as a youth with him uh, and seeing that. You know what's interesting? I remember sitting down with you, was it a, about a week and a half ago? We were sitting in the gym, yep. and a helicopter was going by, and mid-sentence you stopped to look up, and you're like... Now that's I understand right. yeah, why. You do. Yeah, yeah, you See, I'm a good. I say I pay attention, right? Yes. I was like, ah, yeah, now it. I understand, right? It's true. It's yeah. true. I'm obsessed with aircraft and aviation even to this day. Like I, I love that kind of stuff. That's amazing. So yeah. One of our members disclosed he was a pilot recently, and I think I ruined his workout because I kept going up to him, and being like, "So what do you fly?" Yeah. Like, He's just trying to get his lift. <laughs> on. Like, just I was like, like, <laughs> I gotta leave this guy alone. This is not a good experience for him. But uh, yeah, I just I'm like a little kid when it comes to that. I soak up that information. Yeah, yeah. I love it. You know what? Your passion, your motivation, and your inspiration are infectious which is why I think so many members very much. are so gung-ho and diehard with you in the gym. I love the culture. I love everything that you've done for Richmond Hill. Um, keep doing you, and thank you so much for spending your time. We only just started. Say, I know, thank I know. That's the funny thing. The funny thing is you just started, and I hope to get you back onto the podcast. When you have lo- locations 6, 7, 8, 20, 500 open. Our, don't, for, don't forget that. Don't forget us, forget, little little guys. Never, no, no one's little. We're always on the same page. We'll definitely do that. I would love that opportunity. Thank you for having me in today. Amazing. Really Thank you it. so much, Cam. And you guys know the drill. As always, be great. Be kind, everyone. Take care. See you later.